Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 65. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday, Steelers Nation, as we march forwards towards the Pittsburgh Steelers Week 16 game against the Cincinnati Bengals. It'll take place on Saturday, a big game for the Bengals and maybe for the Steelers as well as they are 7-7. Seven and seven. Dave, how you doing? Uh, it's been an eventful start to the week here that we got a lot to talk about. And obviously with, uh, uh, the injury report, we'll go over here in a little bit and some things that, uh, George Pickens said, uh, on Tuesday. And I think we got coordinator, uh, corner coming up, if you will, Boy, you ruined all that, didn't you <laughs> remember I know. the good old days? Uh, uh, yeah, that was, uh, the, the, the sit downs that they would have with the coordinators and all like that. And, uh, but, uh, it's shaking one up Tyler to, was a yeah, Tyler Eifert later. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, Keith Butler rocking chair. I was just thinking about that <laughs> a little, little, little bit, a squeaky chair and all like that. But, uh, the, uh, my, how things have changed and my, how things have changed with the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? As the George Pickens turns, and so we'll talk about his comments again. More things to discuss a little bit later in the show, though, Dave. Some housekeeping. Pittsburgh, a couple of safety-related moves occurring on Tuesday. The team signing Jalen Elliott to the practice squad. He's been on and off the team dating back to training camp with the injuries to Minka Fitzpatrick with the Monte Casey suspension, Trenton Thompson injured, etc., bolstering some safety depth. Also, Elijah Riley returning to practice after still on IR, but designated to return. The 21-day window is officially open for him. He was what limited on Tuesday with an ankle injury, but he's going to try to work his way back and maybe come back at some point this season. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Riley goes full uh, today. If he does, it's probably a good chance that uh, he gets... Uh, activated uh, on Friday and then dresses for the game and probably helps out on special teams because they're probably going to need, probably going to have to shift some roles around or, or whatnot to, to, to cover the special teams aspect. I wouldn't expect Riley to play a lot uh, on the defensive side of football, but you might see him on special teams. But I think uh, uh, regardless, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him on the practice report uh, on, on, on Wednesday there. And uh, really it's going to be interesting to watch the whole minutia of the, of the Friday transactions because Mike Tomlin talked about miles Jack and, uh, Eric Rowe, are those guys just going to be flat out elevations? Will any of them need to go, uh, to the, uh, 53, how we'll find out how serious once again, the Minka Fitzpatrick injury is because if they think he's going to miss, you know, uh, several games in a row, then, then they might place him on IR. And it's, it's really hard to say what, you know, how serious that injury is. I think Jerry Dulac had something out there on Twitter that, you know, obviously it's significant enough that Mika's not playing this week, but how, you know, how much, how, how much beyond that 
uh, is there. So not expecting Minka to go to IR, but uh, obviously that won't happen this week. And once again, uh, you, and also we got by probably four o'clock today, we should know the outcome of uh, uh, Casey, right? Uh, maybe. I don't know exactly what time in, in terms of the, the potential appeal. I don't know if that has to be announced by four or if it's going to leak out later, but sometime today would be my guess on knowing DeMonte Casey's status of appeal. But even so, we wouldn't expect him to. Well, here's one thing I guess that they could do if he's actually suspended, right? Uh, he would well, go on the reserve reserve yeah. suspended list. So that would open up a roster spot uh, there for maybe potentially somebody like Riley uh along those lines so True. it's gonna it's gonna be an eventful you know uh rest of the week leading on in 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 into game day the most notable name back at practice on tuesday with apologies to elijah riley was not him it was one kenny pickett he was back on a limited basis practicing we saw some clips of him in individual work uh, reportedly per espn's prior the fourth quarterback through after mason rudolph mitch trubisky and practice squatter Trace McSorley, and so maybe a light day for Kenny Pickett, but a return to practice nonetheless. And so we'll see what his participation is for Wednesday, Thursday. Still, I'm pretty confident Mason Rudolph will start, but Pickett practicing, of course, is very notable. If he if if he winds you, he's got to be able to protect himself. He's got to be able to run on that ankle, right? He's got to got to be mm-hmm. able to move around and all like that. And it does seem a little quick, and I don't know. Uh, how much kind of gamemanship is involved on Mike Tomlin's part, at least maybe having the Bengals think that there's a potential that they could see Kenny Pickett in this game. Uh, Maybe that's involved here. So you would probably want him to go, what, full today? If if he's going to play? He's got to get at least one day of full work, so at least by Thursday. I mean, he would have to probably continually ramp up. Even if today was not technically full, he'd have to do something more and more to get full by Thursday. And, you know, they threw uh, Mason Rudolph out there for, for, for a media session on Tuesday there. Uh, and it, he, he sounds like he's, he's going to be the guy to go. It would be very, uh, you put this out on Twitter yesterday. It'd be a very Mason Rudolph thing. If for <laughs> some reason he was to get, uh, uh, the late bump here in, 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 in favor of Kenny Pickett, wouldn't it? It would, but I'm thinking that Rudolph will start and Kenny Pickett will return for week 17 at Seattle. That's my read of the situation right now. Yeah, I, I, w- I would agree with that. And I think it's at least safe to say that your starting quarterback this week would be one of Mason Rudolph or Kenny Pickett. Steelers Tuesday injury report to go through it name by name. Nine players on the list. Four not practicing. That's Trenton Thompson with the next stinger injury he suffered in that Colts game. Minka Fitzpatrick, of course, with the knee, as you said, already ruled out. Najee Harris with the knee. Isaac Sayamali with the shoulder. Those guys have been battling those injuries for the past several weeks. Five players limited. Kenny Pickett. Uh, Elijah Riley mentioned those two names. Kim Hayward, limited as he goes through concussion protocol. Broderick Jones with an ankle and Pat Frymuth with a knee. Those are two new names, two new injuries. We'll we'll assume they're minor now, but we'll watch the Wednesday and Thursday uh, injury reports and practice reports and and game statuses and all those types of things. So names to really watch for right now. Um, I assume uh, Harris say Molly's going to go. Again, we'll watch Pickett. We'll see what Trent Thompson does or does not do, especially given the precarious depth of the safety position right now. 
Yeah, then Cameron Hayward coming through the protocol. Right. You never know how that's going to go. I, you know, I, I, the hope obviously being that he goes full uh, today and then uh, full again, obviously on 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 Thursday. Or let's see, what's today? Yeah, to on, Thursday. on Thursday, and then maybe Thursday night gets uh, get that announcement that he's out of protocol, or maybe even as early as tonight. You know, so uh, obviously keeping your fingers crossed there, but it's hard to predict concussion protocol it is being limited on the, limited on that first practice back is usually a good sign that's what tj watt alex highsmith were last week and so typically you have to go a full day as a practice and then probably do some more testing that night to get cleared which is what happened as you mentioned to watt and highsmith so he's probably on a good track but you never know for sure there can be setbacks so that's obviously important to watch all right all right where to from here what about Dave? the Bengals side of things yeah, the big name there's Jamar Chase and his shoulder injury. Been some mixed reports. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Zach Taylor, the Bengals head coach, not ruling him out, but the reporting is strongly indicating that Chase is not going to play this week with the AC joint the injury that he suffered in that overtime win against the Vikings this past weekend, this past Saturday. So uh, he did not practice yesterday. That's kind of the one big name to watch overall is, is Jamar Chase. So I believe that uh, Alex Kappa, one of the linemen, limited but i think really chase is kind of the the one name of course they did, they did lose dj reader for the season with a quad injury in that game um so he's on ir so there's a practice report but missing him is one of their big interior pluggers alongside bj hill they also lost a key special team or a gunner didn't they yeah dj ivy he was covering a punt mm-hmm. and i think he uh tore up his knee or something so they had some some big losses in that win over the vikings sure did All right, Dave, let's just dive right into it here. George Pickens speaking with the media uh, on Tuesday and I think two notable comments. Probably the most notable thing that he said was asked about the lack of effort on the one block that he has. I'm sure people have seen where he initially blocked the corner and then backed off, kind of threw an arm at him, let him go. And the corner helped make the tackle on Jalen Warren short of the goal line. Pickens asked about that and uh, essentially boil it down to two thoughts of this is media criticism. These guys don't play in the NFL. I pay them no mind. And then also said he did not want to get hurt on the play, did not want to get rolled up on, uh, citing what happened to Texans wide receiver Tank Dell a couple of weeks ago. As you pointed out, those two plays are not similar, but your overall interpretation of the uh, Pickens' comments about his lack of effort blocking. Why didn't you just put the bunny back in the box? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. That's that's a you con, tweeted last night. That, that's a con air reference of uh, when they're down in the belly of the plane and he told them to put the bunny in the box and then they, he ended up having to uh, uh, take care of him. Uh, the fellow uh, inmate that's uh, d- down there. And at the end, he says, why didn't you just put the bunny back in the box? And they, you know, th- that's kind of my, it, it's a dated thought, but it's kind of what rolled through my head. Uh, and, and long story short, it's just like, you know, why didn't you just take another angle here? You know, uh, you had the perfect opportunity of just coming out and saying, look, uh, I, I got to be just give the cliche, you know, and, and I know a lot of times we even talk about over the years on this show. It, it's nice to have players not go the cliche route and, and give some honest answers of how they fit, how, how they're feeling. But hey, he didn't handle that very well at all. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and look, it, it, it you take a, uh, here's, I got a prediction for you. He's not going to win the, uh, 
uh, the chief award mm. with the, uh, with the media, the, uh, the local Pittsburgh chapter, uh, of the pro football writers association. He's not going to probably win that award for, for his dealings with the media. He should though. He's given them the best quotes, the mm. best material that uh, a reporter could dream of. Yeah. Uh, nah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he had been better off of him just saying, look, I gotta be better. You know, uh, trying to put that behind me as fast as I can, uh, yada, yada, and, and go that route. Uh, to me, kind of just doubled down. And uh, look, you rewatch that. And for him to even throw out the Tank Dell injury, uh, and if you go back, and obviously and, and we've posted clips of that Tank Dell injury a couple of weeks ago there, Tank Dell, and Tank Dell's not George Pickens' size. Uh, let's let's throw that out there first and foremost. Tank Tank Dell's a smaller player. Uh, he's he's going in. He's inserting himself in the middle of a goal line play with a lot of big bodies flying around uh, there, and then gets caught up uh, uh, that way. And it was an unfortunate injury for Tank Dell, but uh, after the fact, you got to tip your hat for, to him for for you know, giving the effort on the play, you know, uh, mm -hmm. because if he, if he takes that play off, he does not get injured. Right. Uh, in that situation, uh, the George Pickens play is obviously way out on the edge. Now, look, I understand the end result of that was George Pickens having to dive over bodies, uh, or, or, or leap over bodies, but it doesn't even probably get to that. If he's, if he puts, uh, that defensive back in the second row, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and it's not like we haven't seen George Pickens, <laughs> uh, put people on their ass before, right? Uh, he has right. given, uh, one of the things is that stuck out, not only at Georgia, but you know, in his first, you know, in, in his limited time in the NFL is his ability to, uh, uh, manhandle some guys and even close to the line of scrimmage on some of these cracks, uh, or chips sitting people down and, 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 and giving effort. So it's not like he doesn't have it in him. Um, he just made a decision on that play. He wasn't going to block, you know, and, and I don't think I can't imagine real time in his head. He's thinking, I don't want to be a tank Dell here. Uh, I think he just manufactured that as an excuse afterwards, mm -hmm. kind of doubling down and kind of, you know, how dare you members of the media and bloggers and Alex and Dave sitting in their mom's basement. You know, how, how dare you criticize me? Cause you've never, you've never played the game. Well, I got news for him. There are several former NFL players who have played the game that are taking issue with what they saw. So throw out the media, throw out you and me, throw out, you know, uh, everybody who hasn't played, played the game. The people that have are taking issue with it. And you know, that, that, that's enough right there. And, and just, I think he could have gone a different, a better route here, obviously, Alex. I think largely speaking, anytime a player pulls the, you never played in the NFL card, it's typically a losing hand that you're trying to convince somebody with. Um, listen, you're, you're, this was a must win game. You had to do whatever it takes to win this game. And anytime you step out on that field, you're risking injury. So I understand his point. You get rolled up on, you're blocking, you know, we've seen Lyman get hurt that way, but man, you're on the goal line in a must win game where things have been crappy the last couple of weeks. You got to do everything possible to help your team win, not just him, but the entire group. And, and that's the effort that you show. It's not time to worry about, I got to protect myself and 
I don't want to get maybe rolled up on in kind of some freak circumstance. Yeah, that's possible. That can happen. But, you know, you got a job to do to help this team win. And, you know, when this team is struggling so much, we talked about you got to bring your effort has to be even better than it's been before to do the little things, be detail oriented and try to overcome the injuries and the poor play and the struggles. That's how you turn this thing around is by, you know, doing the little things well and being detail oriented and, you know, putting your hand in the pile and that, that, that applies to the entire team, not just him. So uh, the answer I don't think flies with any Steelers fan who heard that response by George Pickens. I wonder how that flies in his own locker room. We'll, Not well, we'll, I'm we'll, sure. we'll, we'll never know. And, you know, I think in today's uh, NFL, there's more of everybody just takes care of their own business, doesn't want to get too deeply involved in someone else's business, you know, uh, because of the 24 hour media cycle and all like that. But, uh, man, if I'm a teammate of his, I, I'm, I'm grimacing. I'll tell you that. Uh, you well, know, just think about he's blocking for Jalen Warren and how mm-hmm. all out is Jalen Warren. I mean, he will block to the ends of the earth for anybody on any situation. So you think about just the mentality difference between those two guys. Yeah. I just, I really wonder how that's perceived. And I wonder, I really wonder if, if someone will or can kind of take him aside, you know, uh, and, and, and even if it matters, uh, here's the thing. And, and I've said this time and time, go ahead and hit the rest of what, what George Pickens had to say. Yeah. The other notable thing we wrote about from his comments, his brief media scrum was, I think, believe Mike pursued to ask him about the meeting that he and Mike Tomlin apparently had Mike Tomlin telling Bob Labriola, the post Patriots game that he and Pickens sat down, watched some tape, had a really good heart to heart, good educational meeting about how to handle frustration, importance of, you know, keeping your head in the game might be needed late, all that kind of stuff. Pursuit to ask Pickens about that and Pickens seemed to, de- de- to deny that that meeting ever took place. And I believe a PR person after the fact said there was miscommunication about Pickens was confused about the timing of it. We're going to go down this whole rabbit hole, but you know that was even kind of in dispute and in question that meeting that he and Tomlin apparently had. Yeah, and I I want to give him kind of the benefit of the doubt of because he asked about you know did he have the dates confused and in other words did he not fully understand either the question or the time frame of the question, but you know. Even if he was, even if he was, was it clear on maybe if there was confusion about the time frame, he could have just said, "Yeah, I talked to Tomlin." You know, mm-hmm. in other words, give them, give them, give them what they want, which, which is they want to know about the, the 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 you know the talk with Tomlin. Did that happen or did not not happen? Regardless of the time frame, I, I want to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt of not of of wondering about a if, if he if he was asked about a certain time frame and maybe confused that time frame because he referenced, well, that was, didn't he say something to the line? Well, we just played the Colts or something like that. And, uh, could that a meeting happen before you, you see where I'm going with that. But even so, I, you know, I'm trying to give him at least some benefit of the doubt there, but it's hard to do. Right. And we just wrote about it, not to try to get into a big semantic thing about when the meeting occurred, but when you have a coach, Mike, like Mike Tomlin talking about the meeting that they had and the importance and the value that he got out of it. And it was a pretty big story kind of heading into the Colts game of saying, okay, mm-hmm. Pickens, you know, responding and we'll see how it looks. And then Pickens denying it, that becomes a story. So it was a story just for the coach right. says this thing happened. Pickens says it does not happen. What's going on here. I and mean, some people may think it's silly to, to talk about, did it happen on a Monday or Friday or whatever the last week, two weeks ago, 
but we just wrote about it because it was an important story initially, and so it was important to follow up on Pickens' comment about it. And and Tomlin gives those weekly sit-downs with Bob Labriola, and you would, and it, it's probably dangerous to do, you would at least assume that that happens either the day of the Mike Tomlin press conference, weekly press conference, or soon thereafter, along with the sit-down with, with uh, Bob Pompiani, right? Uh, you know, just deductive reasoning would lead you to believe that Mike Tomlin probably likes to knock all those out at one time. Now, obviously the Labriola interview isn't published on, on Steelers.com until the morning, the game day morning. And then they, they play the audio of that during the, the, the pregame radio show and all. So it's not like we're talking about Mike Tomlin talking about something, at least you wouldn't think three weeks ago, or, or maybe, you know, uh, at least that's not the way I took it, the way the line of questioning with, with Tomlin was. Well, we know it happened post-Patriots game, uh, right. the, the interview with Labriola where Tomlin referenced the meeting. So it probably either happened the Friday, Saturday, Sunday after the Patriots game. And then, you know, again, we can go into this whole big thing about, you know, is it last week, right. two weeks ago? But I just want to point out that. You know, Tomlin said this meeting happened and Pickens did not seem to to respond and did not seem to know what was uh, being referenced when he was asked about that in his interview. How do you think Mike Tomlin's viewing all this right now on, on this well, Wednesday morning? I mean, I think he's got a lot on his plate. I don't know if this is the, the most top of mind thing for him right now is George Pickens comments to the media. I think he's trying to get ready for this Bengals game because they got to, you know, if, if there's any chance for them to get in the playoffs, they have to essentially win out. And so this game. I mean, the next two will become the most important uh, also of the season. Um, but I think just when you look at the culture of the team and the way that they're struggling and needing guys to really put their hand in the pile and lean in as opposed to leaning out, those comments don't sit well with, a, with achieving and accomplishing that mission. Do you think Mike Tomlin still uh, views this as a pebble in the shoe situation? Um, it's getting to be a larger pebble <laughs> at the least. Uh, and, 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 all right. Now, coming out of that, you, you see a lot of people saying, you know, just go ahead and dump them or sit him down or make them inactive and and do something uh, uh, immediately this week with George Pickens. And I'm here to tell you that while I understand a lot of people thinking or, or, or wanting either him, you know, bench for the first two series or bench for the first quarter or, or yada, yada, or, or, or make him inactive. I can tell you right now, inactive is really, really kind of out of the question, right? Uh, because if you, you only have five wide, five wide receivers on this 53 man roster, if you, and one of those five is miles Boykin, who, even though he's playing some offensive snaps, he's, he's more special teamer than he is a wide receiver. Uh, long story short, if you decided to make, uh, Pickens inactive, you would either have to promote a wide receiver from uh, the practice squad uh, or elevate somebody from the practice squad or, you know, do some sort of minutia that ends up, uh, you know, obviously putting maybe a guy like Anthony McFarlane in the hel helmet to use in some passing situations, but then you're not getting any special teams value probably with Anthony. It, it, and then you took, we go back and roll back to you know, what's going to happen with, with, with other elevations or miles, Jack and Eric Rowe going to be straight elevations. If so, well, those are your two elevations, right? So uh, that prevents you from elevating a, a, a wide receiver and just from the uh, a personnel uh, 
competitive competitiveness standpoint and the fact that this team's still technically in 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 the playoff race here uh it 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 to me the notion that George Pickens will be inactive on Saturday is just I don't see how that can happen yeah there's no evidence that I've seen that's going to indicate Mike Tomlin is going to sit George Pickens for this game and even now, might you not, not roll him out or might not introduce him with the starters and maybe the first play from scrimmage, George Pickens is not out there. I, you know, I could foresee something like that happening. But do you even go as far as sitting him a series or two series? Once again, I don't see how you can do that. You can, but I, I don't I don't see that. I don't see the usefulness of that, really. I guess there's just a broader conversation to be had about how to get the message across to this guy. Cause it feels like you've done a lot of things. You've had players talk to him. I presume that meeting with Tomlin occurred at some point, regardless of when it was, uh, I'm sure there's been a lot of conversations just with Pickens overall and it's just kind of not clicking. So how do you, how do you get that message across? How do you get him to, to really buy in and handle that frustration? Well, is the million dollar question. Yeah, uh, it is. And now, obviously, on, on, on the back end of this, and what's his, what's his future like right now is uh, moving forward? Obviously, it's going to be, you know, a lot could be tied to what happens in these final three games and how he acts. I mean, mm-hmm. look, he could go out and, you know, my hope for him is he goes out and has nine catches, 130 yards and two touchdowns because nothing like, and, and the Steelers win because, you know, that will help tamp a lot of this down, but oh, what, yeah. it, but, but I mean, l- let, let's face it here. I, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty uh, with this team heading into this game, especially with a guy like uh, potential with, with Mason Rudolph making his first. There are no guarantees that anything will be any better on the offensive side of the ball. He could just as easily George Pickens come out of this game with three catches for 38 yards, you know, uh, and and still be, and and be just as upset as, as he's been in these in these uh, previous weeks here. Uh, the only thing that seems like that might help anything here is is uh, uh, you know a, a strong George Pickens production game. Sure, winning cures all, and if the team was winning and not on this miserable three game losing skit, these stories are not nearly the stories that they are. If they are stories at all, I mean, they probably slipped under the rug and not really talked about, not focused on much. So there's certainly an element whenever you're losing, everything gets magnified. These things become more talking points than they would be uh, had you been winning, but, but they're still important. I mean, effort and doing the little things and being a team player are, are all, you know, integral to a culture and, and how you win. And, and if you do those things then you're going to be more likely to win. And I think the, uh, before we get too much deeper into maybe what might happen at, you know, after this season, uh, look, he's not going anywhere right now uh, in these final three games. How do you go about, trying to correct this problem. I've got my thoughts on it, but uh, uh, how do you go about correcting this problem? And can it be corrected uh, is the big question. Well, sure. The latter point, can it be corrected, comes down to George Pickens. And can he 
take the coaching and receive the help and the advice and the insight. Some guys can, some guys can't. I don't know if he can or if he can't. Beyond that, I mean, I, I don't have a great answer in terms of how to kind of, you know, help the guy. Some of it's going to be just about him growing up and maturing. Again, he's 22. He's not 30 years old. He's in his second NFL year. It's been a tough year. Maybe some just time away to get away from the media and 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 just the, the heat of the season will help some. I'm not sure. I, I don't have a good answer to how to fix this problem. And and my thoughts on it are kind of similar. Look, a, a person's got to want to change. And look, I, I have been, I, I am certainly uh, throughout my life uh, not been an angel. And there were decisions in my life where I, where people wanted me to change things and prayed that I would change things and begged and pleaded that I would change ways. But ultimately, it had to be my decision to to want to change. And I, I think it's the same way. I, I think it's the same when, when, when you talk to George Pickens, he's going to have to understand that. Uh, look, I, I have said this several times. I under no, everybody understands his frustration, but how you deal with that frustration, the best way in, uh, uh, especially when you're talking about, you know, a skill position and, and, and a wide receiver and all like that, a best way to, Deal with that frustration is just go out and do your job and do your job the best that you can. Uh, run, run every route uh, hard. Uh, catch every ball that that that, that comes in your vicinity because they're control the things that you can control, right? Mm-hmm. And if you do that, uh, regardless of what happens, what's happening with the team, because you cannot control how many times you're getting thrown the football in the game. You cannot control how other teams are, are, are covering you. Uh, but what you can control is how you, how you play on, on every down. And if you go out of your way to give a hundred percent on, on, on every snap, uh, regardless of what happens, even if you get one catch for 10 yards, uh, that stuff, the tape will speak for itself and then everything else will take care of itself after that. You'll get paid, uh, at some point because teams will be able to see through the, well, he just wasn't getting the football or he was, he was, you know, he had all this bracket coverage that he was dealing with and that caused him not to get your tape, uh, and your effort alone will speak the loudest. When it's all when you're blocking out on the edge and all like that, that's the thing that will take care of everything. And that's what he's got to understand is that he can only control what he can control and what he can control is his actions on every play. And then past that, yeah, I think he's got just to do a better job of having more awareness when when when, when talking to the media. Sure. I mean, I, I want to give him. I try to be as graceful as I can, especially for guys that I don't know. He does not seem like a bad guy. He's not getting himself into trouble off the field and, you know, doing a B type stuff in terms of taking shots at the organization. He's getting 22, a young guy that, you know, we were all 22 and did some dumb things. And you look back and you, you see how you grow up. And so hopefully that can be picking story. And he's a really talented guy and you know, the potential's there. And as you said, this valid frustration for him, in this uh in this offense, how he's being used or the lack thereof and um just just the struggles of the season and and wanting to be part of this team winning and making plays to help this team get on the right track. So I don't want to say all hope is lost on the guy. This is who he is, you know, and who he will always be. 
but my, again, I, I just go back to your, your team is struggling, your season's crumbling before you. You have to do everything possible to put your hand in the pile and turn this thing around and get one victory and start from there. And that's going to require blocking, you know, finishing your, your stock block on the corner, not just you know, hitting them off the line and then kind of watching them go. It's going to require running your routes as hard as possible every single time. It's going to require, you know, throwing that downfield block when the receiver or the running back breaks into the second, third level and picking up the safety to, to help spring that run even further. And again, that applies to the entire team. Everyone's going to have to do 110% effort to, to try to overcome all the issues that plague this team. And so that's why the effort becomes, if not even more important now, because your team is, is just struggling to find ways to win and to overcome that. You have to kind of create your own luck and create your own productivity by doing things above and beyond. I wonder where the concern meter is upstairs right now. Yeah, it's hard to say. Mike Tomlin publicly has not seemed to show a ton of concern about it, but you know, obviously what he's doing and saying publicly and thinking privately can be two different things. Do you think there's a chance that he's not a Steeler in 2024? Yeah, I don't, you know, talking absolutes is is dangerous and you have the post that went up late last night that's on the top of the page of the site right now about maybe not gifting that George Pickens jersey for Christmas. Um, I still believe he will be a Steeler, but is there a chance that he could be moved? Yeah, I'm, I'm open to that possibility. Uh, I, just from the sheer fact of how hard it would be to tear down this, because this wide receiver room, as we've talked already, already a couple of times, is already going to get torn down uh, just through yearly attrition and, and players' contracts and all like that. I mean, you, uh, Allen Robinson, unless something drastic happens there, probably not going to be back. Miles Boykins, the uh, uh, an unrestricted free agent. Uh, will his special teams ability uh, be strong enough to warrant him a, a, a return? You know, in 2024, you already are not not utilizing a guy like Calvin Austin enough, who is still probably going to be part of this team. Uh, you have Deontay Johnson under contract next year, and you have George Pickens under contract next year. So uh, with just regular attrition in that room uh, uh, on, on the bottom end of the depth chart, it makes it very challenging to add one more in it by jettisoning away uh, a guy like George Pickens. So it would have it. They would have to be really, really upset and think that he's not going to not going to change his stripes to get to a point where he, uh, you know, he's he's dealt away. Uh, and and if you were going to do anything, you would you would probably do it at the start before the draft or during the draft if you're going to do anything sure. with him, right? Sure. That would make the most amount of sense. All right. So uh, I I never dreamed that I would be uh, theorizing the possibility of such a thing uh, with, with, with Pickens not being part of, potentially not being part of this team in 2024. In my heart of hearts, I don't believe anything will happen, but I think you have to at least acknowledge the fact that something could happen. I, I just say that because I think you have to take a hard look at your entire roster this offseason right. and go down through the list name by name, you know, who this guy is, does he help you, does he hurt you? And especially when you're talking about the bigger cultural issues and stealer away type stuff, these things become more into focus. So I, I just say that kind of from a broader perspective of 
I've said before, I think everything is on the table. Everything has to be examined, and that includes George Pickens' status and future with the team. Now, I said this a couple of weeks ago on, on the podcast and took hell from it that I, you know, I, I, I wasn't a, a believer that he would see a second contract with this team. I'm, I'm still, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still, guessing your opinion is the same. Yeah. My opinion is still the same on that. Uh, as we said here, here's the thing too, you know, he's qualified now, uh, in his first two seasons because of the snaps that he's played, uh, for at least a level one, uh, proven performance escalator raise, uh, for the 2025 season. And he's on track to have a level two, uh, proven performance escalator raise, uh, it, yeah, for, for the 2025 season on top of that. Now, long viewpoint of that, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it's, it's insignificant because if he does stay with the Steelers through the 2024 season and, you know, at least produces, you know, w- what he's done an average of the first two years, he's going to want to get paid after, after the 2024 season. Likely. I mean, that's all, you know, who knows what things look like by then, but that would make sense. And what if, what would that, I mean, we're, we're talking more than well, more than a year out. What will that 2025 off season uh, look like? You could visualize some quote unquote hold in type situations. And what if the Steelers balk at whatever number he has in his head, you know? Yeah, possible. But those seem, those things feel like an eternity away. Right. But I mean, I, you know, I, I, I feel comfortable in doubling down right now and thinking that, man, I, I really don't think this he's going to see a second contract with the Steelers unless you just let some things change. You just hope this guy can grow up a little bit, which is possible. Again, he's a really young guy, second year in the NFL, and this offense can find its footing in the passing game. Then these things maybe become less of an issue, less of a talking point, but I don't know. I don't know how to how the team can best get through to the guy. It feels like they've done a lot of things that they can do. And again, as you said, it kind of comes down to George Pickens himself. Look, in the short term, you just hope that he goes out and has a, has a good game against yeah. the Bengals. For so sure. Because we, we got to stop having reasons to talk about him in this light. We need to be talking about him. Man, can you believe that catch? Can you believe that block? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, man, can you... What what a game! You know, eight catches, 130, 135 yards, two touchdowns. That that that's that's what that's what we wanted to see out of George Pickens. And um, once again, he doesn't have all control of that. But what we do want to see is the things that he can control on a play by play basis, and we'll leave it at that. Yep, exactly. All right, Dave. Also speaking to the media, Mason Rudolph, uh, the quarterback, speaking this week. Nothing radical from him, but just focused on the here and now. Somebody did ask, and I think you mentioned this. You know, the possibility of him basically auditioning for the rest of the NFL, um, being a free agent after the season, but he said his focus is solely on winning this game. Did kind of have a different answer in terms of what Mitch, Mitch Trubisky said about, you know, Trubisky said he's going to be aggressive with the football, <laughs> push the ball downfield, and Rudolph said, I'm not going to huck it deep on the first play of the game. So uh, we'll, we'll jot that down in our notes about what to expect on the opener uh, series against the, the Bengals on Saturday. But, you know, Rudolph, th- th- that's why you go to Rudolph, because he's going to be smarter with the football. He's going to take the check down. He can still air it out deep. He's got a good arm, a live arm. He's accurate, but he's going to be more, you know, just judicious about when to take that shot. Yeah, I do wonder, though, how how tempered he's going to be in the middle of the field stuff now based on some of those comments. And look, you know, you don't want to be reckless in it, but uh, 
you go back to even the the, the last meeting against the uh, the Bengals, right? Two middle of the field shots early uh, to, uh, to 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 Pat Frymuth. Is this going to be? Are they? Is the directive going to be <laughs> the flow chart of press coverage on the outside, single high? You can take your shot. Uh, if not there. You know, hey, you know, uh, everything short, uh, everything calculated in short. I just see him as somebody who's going to run your offense when you're in that situation. Trubisky was on third down before the, you know, Boswell non-attempt field goal, Harvin punt where Tomlin wanted him to check it down. Rudolph is going to check it down on that play on the, you know, fourth down against the Patriots where Trubisky took the deep shot instead of hitting Robinson short. Rudolph's going to hit Robinson short. He's going to hit Deontay in the flat instead of Pickens on the slant on the third down before. He's going to run the structure of your offense where the primary read, if it's open, he's going to hit it. And, and that's how I kind of differentiate between Trubisky and, and Mason Rudolph. But we both agree they need explosive plays in this game. And we both agree that those are unlikely to happen, throw short, run long. Sure. I mean, again, Rudolph is going to take some shots in this game. Just, I don't have any doubt about that, but he's going to just do it in the right moments to, to, to attempt it, not on third and 14 when you're on field goal edge range and you're trying to get a couple of yards to make it a more manageable field goal for Chris Boswell, not on fourth and two when your game and the season in some respects is on the line. So it's just being smarter. It's being aware of the situation and what the situation calls for. And that's the the mentality I believe Rudolph will play with. All right. So better decisions with the football. That's the hope. That's the goal. That's why I think they made the switch. Do you think that uh, that that third down play of him not checking it down to uh, to to Warren over there was the was the straw that broke the camel's back and not necessarily the two interceptions? I think it's all together. I don't know if there's one singular play that says anything. Um, I, I think it's probably just a combination of things stacking up over time. All right. All right. Anything else? Many other players. I don't know if anyone else spoke significantly. I mean, Pat Frymuth, uh, he did take the blame, by the way, Frymuth did on that missed third down conversion over the middle uh, that led to the Colts taking the lead into the half, which Mike Tomlin essentially referred to as a turning point of this game. So uh, Frymuth took the blame for for that play, not Trubisky. All right. Mm, you know, I, I respect him for for, for, for saying that. Uh, speaking of that game, Dave, going through the all 22 of this one since our last podcast, we'll start with the Steelers offense. What jumped out at you at the all 22? Uh, the poor offensive line play, which I think we've already highlighted uh, top to bottom. I mean, the run game uh, was the most positive aspect of that, mostly interior on some pulling type stuff and some guys getting out. Once again, I, I think that, I don't know what you, did you go back and watch uh, that holding call on Mason, Mason Cole on that run by uh, Jalen Warren? I thought that was ticky tacky there, but I thought they did some good things uh, uh, internally uh, with the offensive line in the run blocking category. Cause there were a couple of runs there that were able to hit. Obviously the big thing is they weren't, able to get any uh, momentum and sustain, you know, uh, 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 enough drives to feature the running game enough. Uh, but there, there were runs there. There were runs to be had there in the interior, but uh, totality wise with that offensive line, especially in the pass blocking uh, aspect of it, it was, it was miserable. 
you're right. The run blocking had a couple of moments. Uh, they ran a dart scheme with Dan Moore. Harris was behind for a good chunk of yardage. They had some kind of short pulls with you know, the hitting through the uh, three tech instead of kind of really pulling longer and around. They got some yardage, but I thought in some of the situational moments, the goal line, for example, they could not get a push up front. I thought they were really, you know, not the physical unit. They didn't play with enough leverage and drive in some of those moments. And even on some split zone type runs, early down runs, they weren't getting that push up front. I did think generally speaking, besides some of their gap runs, especially on zone runs, more straight up, you know, duo man blocking Pittsburgh's O-line did not get really the push they needed in the Colts D-line won the point of attack too routinely in this game. And they had, in pass protection, it was just an utter mess. Roderick Jones, his worst game of the season by far, couldn't handle cross chops, chop dropped his eyes, gave up the edge repeatedly. James Daniels picking up stunts, that was a big problem. Dan Moore getting walked back. I mean, it was a pretty bad across the board. Yeah, uh, and and obviously, too, when when, when you get uh, as, as far down behind uh, the uh, on the scoreboard that they were, it, it really started to snowball from there. Yeah, yeah. So anything else offensively, I think the past game was as, you know, as hard to watch live as it was on the All-22. Yeah, but there were still, we saw them do some things with some square ends and some deep digs and, and you know, hit hit one to uh, Pickens and then came back and had an opportunity to hit another one to Pickens. I thought Deontay Johnson uh, uh, had a couple of nice separations on a couple of his uh, plays on the outside there, but once again, we, uh, all of it, all of it produced just one explosive play uh, in the game, uh, and then you know, turning the football over three times, two of them on interceptions, and and one of them on the, on the Najee fumble were, was was obviously uh, very very critical, and just things that this that we've talked about. You know, if this team even turns the football over once, it seems like you can just mail it on in as a as a L right now. The way this offense is playing so uh there were some limited and and what if he you know it's a big what if because he didn't you know what if he did check down to Jalen Warren on that one you know what how how does the complexion of the game maybe change on 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 that one play well Pittsburgh wouldn't couldn't allow 13 straight runs on the other end of that thing for sure but yeah you never know it's one possession game you know if you assume that Boswell makes it it's 20 what 24 four to 16 at that point. So you can never say for sure. Right. Defensively. Other than that, other than that, there's not a lot to talk about mm-hmm. on, on offense. That's positive. Defensively, your thoughts. Uh, I, I keep going back to the, those, those 13 consecutive runs, man. They just, they were whip, whoop down at that point. And, uh, you know, uh, the further that you started to get behind on, on the scoreboard on top of it, uh, it allowed, uh, Gardner Minshew to, uh, get the ball out quickly and not, not really get himself in situations where, uh, he was putting him on danger, which, you know, kind of eliminate some things that the Steelers pride themselves on and trying to take that football away. Uh, there were some individual efforts, I think, going back through that that uh, I, I was impressed. I thought Marcus Golden, for the limited amount of snaps that he played, I, th- I think he played well uh, in this game. Uh, I think you had a good clip of uh, Trenton Thompson coming back into the game after suffering his injury and giving a lot of effort in there. Uh, I thought it was interesting to see Patrick Peterson uh, maneuvering a lot uh, in, 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 in the center field situation there. Uh, they were just out schemed again, man. They, they, and it's not like the Colts did anything foreign 
that you didn't see on tape. You know, we had mentioned kind of that rub route, the short, short, short yardage situation uh, that they ran kind of early in the game to put, pick up, I think, a short third down. You know, some of the a lot of the things that they did weren't 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 foreign. The Steelers just didn't have answers uh, for them, especially down in, 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 in the Steelers own end of the field there, you know, failing to pick up the crosser uh, on those things. And, and I don't think the, uh, the linebackers as a whole, the inside linebackers played well at all. And they just got chewed up that, you know, what has happened a lot this year. They got chewed up down the, down the middle, down the spine of the defense there. And they really had no answers for it. Yeah, the communication was a problem in this one, um, in part due to the injuries, I'm sure, but but no excuses. They have to get the job done. Um, yeah, I just in the way that Pittsburgh's double teams did not get the push, the Colts double teams got a great push on a lot of Montrevious Adams, some Benton, a little bit of Hayward. Did you did you go back and watch Hayward specifically? I was trying to get a feel. Yeah, him and Benton, and they got they got introduced to uh, Quentin Nelson. Yeah. Uh, uh, Quentin Nelson and, and, and the center really communicated and played well together, uh, in, 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 in kind of thwarting both those guys. I thought maybe Hayward wasn't quite as bad on tape on the all 22 as, as I felt watching it live, but he still struggled and just looked tired and gassed at the he, end. He can't sure. run right now. You yeah. know, it, it, he, it, there's times where it feels like he's kind of over overcompensating for maybe maybe how he's feeling with that groin or whatnot. And you know what ends up usually happening with that? You saw this with uh who was the wide receiver? Uh the Jags receiver that got hurt. Yeah, yeah. Kirk, that Christian Kirk. No, no, the other one. Uh Ridley? Zay. Zay. Oh, Zay. Okay. Uh you know, and they talked about that on the broadcast. When you have players trying to over overcompensate, and then you know they just Zay, what was it? What did it end up being a hamstring? I think on him. You just worry about guys like that trying to overcompensate for uh, a nagging thing of, and and it affecting something. It, it's painful to watch Cam run right now. Yeah, I just saw him kind of wear down. I mean, on that that 13 straight run drive, who's out there the first nine plays and he's trying to give it his all. Obviously he was gassed by the end and the body language just did not look good. He just looked defeated. Right. And I just think overall that, 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 that Colts line, especially on that third, they just, they were bull bullying them. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it, it became, this is what we're going to do. And we know you can't stop it type type of football. And even so doing it with the, and not, you know, look, I think, uh, I, I think depth at running back with pedigree guys is a bit, bit oversold because you see it around the league and all. So I'm, you know, as long as you have the blocking up front, uh, you know, that the Colts have, you can have guys, uh, uh, like Trey sermons and, and the other kid, uh, who is it? Goodson, uh, mm -hmm. right. Uh, go off on you. Sure. I thought Larry Ogunjobi had a pretty solid game. I was happy to see that because he'd been, I had written about that before the game that he'd been pretty quiet the last two months or so. I thought he had, you know, got the sack and had some good wins in, in the run game. Uh, not enough overall to, to stop the run as a, as a team, as a unit. But I did think Ogunjobi was a bright spot that thought Joey Porter Jr. made some plays, had a really nice uh, recovery and, and sink and break up on, I think that was Mo Ali Cox on, not the, not the touchdown, but the other, end zone ball they threw that he broke up. So I thought there were some bright spots there. 
Yeah, uh, the linebacker plays just inside linebacker plays not up to snuff, and and Atlanta Roberts has given his you know his all uh, in that. But uh, uh, Mark Robinson's had some struggles. Obviously, Walker's had some struggles, and they look in that in that thirteen, and not just really the thirteen uh, uh, consecutive runs. Uh, that that push was just nauseating to watch there. And the running backs always falling forward. Whereas we talked about it on the other side, man, it seemed like when, when the, when the Steelers running backs were getting stuck, they're getting stuck right in a square part of the chest and going backwards. Mm -hmm. And you did not see that at all really in this game when it came to the Colts running game. I agree. And then some zone beaters, you know, Pittsburgh having to play a lot of zone in this one. Uh, I thought Minshew attacked that middle of the field. Well, overall. So that's kind of my, my overall takeaways of this defense. Right. I agree. All right, Dave, anything else here to, to talk about, uh, to recap that we missed? A uh, little bit about, uh, I wrote about the Mitch Trubisky contract a couple of days ago. And, you know, there there are a couple of, of, of different ways you can go with that. And, you know, the, the, the main thing I think a lot uh, talking about that is the $1 million roster bonus in March that he has. That's kind of a trigger to, to, to kind of trigger a decision. It's not earth shattering by any shape of imagination. Now, after writing that article uh, and, and going over the, you know, the, the, the potential dead money and what you would save after uh, roster displacement, uh, specifically you're saving a little bit more than $2 million, uh, that way. I think it is kind of worth examining the fact that technically if, if you were to move on from Mitch Trubisky in before that March roster bonus is due and knowing that Mason Rudolph is an unrestricted free agent after this year, we have seen this team in the past not put themselves in situations where they enter the draft with only one quarterback under contract, right? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think in 2022. Obviously, there was the Haskins. Did, did they extend? They had, they had extended uh, Mason Rudolph like right before the draft or something, didn't they? Yeah, I think. But who else was in that room at that point? Uh, Ben had retired. I mean, obviously there was again a tragic Haskins death, which is a unique situation. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the minutia of, of how they had. Well, they had uh, they had uh, Haskins under contract, didn't they, for that uh, previous? But, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and then obviously you know he he passed away. Right. So that was a unique situation, but I think you know going into the draft it was just Mason Rudolph. It, well. Well, then Trubisky came in in March. I'm not sure of the timeline of everything. So uh, you're, I, I get your point, though. Obviously, this team is not going to drafts usually with, you know, a giant uh, hole at a certain position. I guess what I'm getting at here is could, you know, a, as an option, at least to get them uh, into the summer, uh, I don't want to totally rule out the possibility of them paying that $1 million roster bonus and then maybe making a decision with Mitch Trubisky later on in the summer and then specifically after June 1st where you could lessen the immediate uh, dead money for uh, 2023 and then put the other uh, bit of it in, 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 into 2025. You, you see what I'm saying like that? Mm -hmm. uh, now, 
you know, it, it would require the commitment of a million dollar roster bonus that you're not going to get back. But uh, technically, that could be a, a, a way that they go that would enable Mitch to stay past the March roster. You know, obviously, if you're talking about a three, four, five million dollar roster bonus, you're, it's, a, it's a lot different situation. But I don't want to totally rule out the option of them at least keeping the room with another guy in it with experience to make the decision later on in the summer, they could still move on from Mitch Trubisky very easily. Mm -hmm. And then in doing so, obviously too, you, you probably would come out with a little bit better cap clearing situation by putting off the, you know, that, 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 uh, proration amount of 2025 until, you know, uh, uh, until 2025 by, by a post June 1st roster cut. But I mean, it, I, I just wanted to throw out there that there is another option than direct cutting him. But I personally feel that we might see it go that way. And that's why I wrote about it, you know, uh, just jettison him before you pay him the March roster bonus. Yeah, I see that. And just quickly, quickly to go back, I think what happened in 22 was Ben retired, had Rudolph, he signed Trubisky in March for a state for agency, and then Haskins was killed in April. So you had uh, Trubisky and Rudolph heading into the draft. Right. Uh, and, and and that's what I'm getting at. Is, and, and that's it seems to be the general idea that they have, because, I mean, quite honestly, that Mason Rudolph extension kind of came out of nowhere, right? Yeah, that was a big surprise. Uh, and they did that. I think to just to give them, you know, body security in the quarterback room there. Could could they though resign Mason Rudolph? Let's say he plays a solid game, or even if he's just at an average Mason Rudolph type of game and let Trubisky go and make Rudolph the number two. He was the number two for several seasons before you know Trubisky came in and Pickett got drafted. So they at some point they've been comfortable with him as a top backup. Is that a possibility? Well, I think it. You know, you you would think that this is a one game audition, right? Yes. All right. So let's say he goes out there and plays well or mm -hmm. plays better than Mitch. <laughs> okay. Uh, now you're, you're not going, you're not going to, to uh, uh, break the bank in, in any stretch of imagination, but could you at least give him, uh, you know, a, 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 a two, a two year deal or something and at least, uh, uh, um, you know, some sort of a minimal signing bonus that, that makes him jump to, to, to grab it. Yeah, I mean, he's not even if he has a decent game, he's going to be competing for a backup spot in free agency no matter where he goes. So it's not like he's going to get a chance to start somewhere. So if he could stay in Pittsburgh and kind of have some sort of assurance, he's the number two, and then you probably draft somebody or undrafted free agent or something like that. That's one way to go about it. I mean, this, this we're talking about a contract that's really, really minimal in value. And really, the only caveat to him signing it is the instant guaranteed money of a very small signing bonus. Feruda? Right. Yeah, but also just, okay, he's the number two. He knows where he's at, and there's just finality for him in terms of what his future looks like. But it would have to be a cheap enough of a deal that is, should something else come along, you could you could still carry him as a number three. Sure, yeah, he's not going to be a large contract. I mean, even even if, even if he has a decent game, you know, he's playing on the minimum this year. He had basically no free agency in interest and no real value out there, so it's not going to change his perception dramatically, I wouldn't think. But you would probably do something with him prior to making a decision with Trubisky and that roster bonus in March, right? 
Sure. You don't want to decline Trubisky's option and then not get a deal done with Rudolph and kind of lose both ends. So yeah, it would get done before then. All right. All right. But I just wanted to throw that out there about the, you know, because the mm-hmm. roster bonus is only a million dollars, that there is another option that still could result in Mitch Trubisky not being on the 2024 53-man roster. But what it does is it just delays delays your decision of of, of, of making sure you can keep that room with another body in it. The question is, though, if you're still planning on cutting at some point, how do you eventually replace him at some point going into your season? Who's your backup quarterback? Right. Do you do something with the draft? Is there another cheaper option that you sign? And do you let him compete and get through get through training? Right. You know, th- th- that that kind of thing. So uh, obviously other things would likely happen at the quarterback position, whatever they might, might be. But sure. uh, at least it gets you through uh, uh, the summer with another experienced body in a room. Gotcha. All right, Dave, anything else? Do you want to get to some reader emails and close yeah, out Yeah, I guess show? we can get to some emails here. Let me sort them out real quick. And then be uh, back on Friday to recap and preview of the Bengals game. Hopefully have a beat writer on to talk Cincinnati and go from there. Uh, let's start with, uh, Danielle, uh, writes in good day. This is, uh, obviously from Brisbane, Australia, our buddy over there. As we approach the Christmas season, I just want to thank you for all your hard work over 2023. The podcast really helped me get through a tough year. Uh, you briefly discussed a recent draft. Uh, recently, you briefly recently discussed the draft classes of the Steelers, and it got me thinking. I rate the performance of this year's class compared to their draft positions as follows. He's got uh, Broderick Jones at expected level, Joey Porter Jr. above expectations, Keanu Benton above expectations, Darnell Washington below expectations, Nick Herbig above expectations, and Corey Trice and Spencer Anderson unable to. Uh, uh, assess overall it seems like it's uh, shaping up to be a good class he says he did the same with the 2022 class uh he's got kenny pickett below expectations george pickens recently below expectations demarvin leal below expectations calvin austin the third below expectations connor hayward above expectations mark robinson uh, at expectations, some minimal value is okay for a seventh round pick. He has in parentheses and Chris Oladokun uh, below expectations. He says, overall, my takeaway from this exercise is that uh, it is the 2022 class, which is really letting the Steelers down now. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, it's really hard to argue, uh, uh, Dan, the way you kind of got this, uh, laid out. I think Broderick Jones is kind of at expected level. Joey Porter Jr. Maybe a tick above expectations. Keanu Benton, obviously above expectations. You know, Darnell Washington, that's, that's below expectations so far, right? Now, how much of it is his fault? I thought the blocking would be better with Darnell. I mean, we've seen glimpses of what we thought it would be, but just in totality, uh, probably not where I thought it would be. Nick Herbig, obviously above expectations, although he's not playing a lot uh, overall. And you, you obviously can't, can't, can't uh, uh, assess Corey Trice or Spencer, Spencer Anderson. It's not their faults there. Uh, I think top to bottom, this, this, this draft class has been fine. Right. The 2023 class. Uh, yeah, this year's class. Yeah, I've been really happy with it. I think there's a lot of, you know, not just only good play now, but encouraging results for, for what this they can be and hopefully will be on that second year jump. And so getting a lot of playing time, these, these guys have played a ton of snap. It's going to help them develop and 
uh, be better next year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with the 2023 class. All right, and his thoughts on the 22 class is basically, you know, uh, which is really letting the Steeders down right now. It is, yeah. I think that's, you know, your top three picks. Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, DeMarvin Leal, none of the three are playing, producing the way that you hope that they would in their second NFL seasons. Uh, they got to figure out a way to start using Calvin Austin some. But again, what is he? What is his skill set outside of his speed? Right, but he's fast. But you got to find a way to to integrate him in, and and not with the screaming red light on his helmet either. That when he comes into the fi- onto the field, that you know he's going to get the football. You know, uh, you just you're going to have to get creative a little bit more creative with him and get the ball to him out in space. A lot, a lot more than you're doing now, and even double isn't much. <laughs> right? Well, can you double zero? I mean, I, I get it. I just, I, I don't know. I'm kind of seeing him as a, as a speed guy with a small catch radius, not as much twitch as you would hope for for a guy of his frame and kind of skill set, and a guy that goes down on contact super easily. And I just don't know how to integrate that in my system. And if you're a fan, you really got to worry about what's uh, going on with Demarvin Leal right now. Yeah, the the pass rush aspect has not been there. He's a, a reserve base defensive end, and that's been disappointing. Uh, Jeff Kinney writes in, uh, yikes. How do you think the other guys on the team feel about George Pickens not wanting to get hurt while blocking? Every other player on offense has got to be shaking their head about how selfish uh, and, and, and obvious and oblivious this attitude is. Does he not realize that football is a team game? Yeah, we're not going to rehash all that. Uh, Jeff, we talked about him probably way too long than a lot of people wanted us to talk about earlier in the show, but uh, point Point taken is all I can say, Jeff. Uh, it, it 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 would be interesting to see get inside the heads of some other people in that locker room right now. Yeah, I'm sure they didn't love the comments and what the tape showed. Uh, just two other quick aside points. According to Jordan Schultz, a Bleach Report, Jamar Chase will not play this weekend. Not been officially confirmed by the team, but just more uh, confirmation that Chase probably not going to go. And just a complete sidebar. Uh, rip to the Pittsburgh Maulers officially folding uh, as the USFL XFL merger. The Maulers not part of that group. And so uh, the Maulers, if you're the diehard fan, they are no more. Uh, that's sad. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, Chuck Griffith writes in Dave, same question as last year. Where do the Steelers go with the offensive line and free agency in a draft realizing that the old line has played better as of late, not true in 2023. Will Pat Myers return? Uh, he's got a parentheses hoping for a change. And which lineman would you write in pen and which in pencil for 2024? Obviously, yeah, that's that's you know we'll, we'll be talking about a lot of that stuff after the season goes. Uh, I think that Pat, I, I think it's time to find a new offensive line coach. Personally, uh, that's that's uh, I think it's time to make a change there. Uh, uh, look, Corfor is not probably not going to be in that room come March. So that's uh, one of your guys on that offensive line uh, uh, on the 53. That's probably not going to be there. Uh, I would think that uh, Sayamalo and Herbig will both carry over into next year. Obviously, Broderick Jones will carry over into next year. Uh, they need to do something else at center that uh, either draft or the free agency uh, route. Uh, you probably need to uh, address the tackle position, uh, either draft or free agent. No, no, probably about it. You, you need to do that. Uh, you need to figure out where Spencer Anderson figures all into this. 
Um, maybe that's a guy that you can count on for depth only moving forward. Uh, they've had Dylan Cook on this roster all season. So there, there's obviously something there, probably only as a backup, though. Uh, long story short, a lot of this a lot of this is going to carry over into 2024 minus probably Mason Cole and Chiquama Corfor and maybe one other of the depth guys. Yeah, just kind of big picture in terms of starters next year, the guys that should remain the same. I see it as three people, Isaac Sayamalu at left guard, James Daniels at right guard, and Broderick Jones at one of the tackle spots. We'll probably prefer left tackle over right tackle, put him back in his natural spot, but we'll see exactly what the team decides there. Uh, other guys will come back, like Nate Herbig, Spencer Anderson. I assume Dan Moore will be part of the roster. His role, unclear right now, but in terms of starters, I think those are your three, and you work from there. But they're going to have to address at least two positions in either the draft or free agency, right? Tackle and center. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. I mean, you got your three guys, say Malu, Daniels at guard, Jones at one of the tackle spots. That leaves you with a center and tackle spot to really examine to look to upgrade this offseason. All right, Chuck, hopefully that kind of gives you a little bit. And once again, we'll be talking a lot more about this after the season and all like that. Uh, Todd Gensler uh, writes in Team Dynamics. Hey, fellas, do you ever recall a team like this? year that became so unlikable in all my years of following the Steelers. Never once did I ever have angst for any of the players until now. Several uh, several are my first, won't play or fight for each other, aren't accountable, accountable make excuses, and sim- simply are hard to like, he says. Is it culture, coaching, professional sports as we know it, and will it just get worse? Uh, I don't think that it's Look, you don't like to see what what's happened, you know, uh, recently with, uh, with 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 George Pickens, and obviously that's going to get all the uh, focus and attention. I wouldn't say that this team that there's players that are unlikable, really, as a whole. I don't think fans really like George Pickens too much right now. Yeah, but I mean, he says I don't ever recall a team this year that became a team this year that became so unlikable. I don't think you can rubber stamp George Pickens for the entire team. No, I don't know what he was referring to beyond that. Um, And I'm not saying I don't. I'm not saying I dislike George Pickens, but I think there's obviously people aren't liking the comments that he has to say, and there's kind of been a turning against him publicly. I don't know. I mean, whenever you lose, everything kind of gets worse. And if they were winning, you know, you'd probably like all these guys. So that's kind of what it boils down to, I think, often. But yeah, I don't. I mean, it's been just a really messy year where it feels like the team is not a team. And I don't know the last time I could say that about the group. Is culture a real, real thing in the NFL right now? It's a real thing. Absolutely. Now, I mean, what I mean is how, 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 can you quantify that better? I mean, you really can't quantify it. And, and you're right. We're outsiders trying to peer in and examine culture, and that's tough to do. But we we followed this team, and fans have followed this team long enough to get a feel for how a locker room is working or not working. And this year feels different than others. Okay, here's a here's a better way, a better question here. How how does a culture deteriorate with the same essential coaching staff and several same leaders 
technically over a span post Ben Roth, you know, at least post Ben Roethlisberger. How 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 does that deteriorate? Or well, was I think it they, was it even to the level that many maybe thought it was? See I mean, what I'm saying? I, I, kind of. I, I think they've lacked the offensive leadership as that old guard left, Ben Pouncey, DeCastro, et cetera. And they've not really been able to fill that well. And then you compound just the losing aspect of it this year and everything kind of gets magnified. I mean, without a doubt, when you had the goon squad there, I mean, you had a culture, right? Yeah, of course, no doubt. Ben was there and, 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 and yada, yada. Uh, but I mean, in a word, the culture has deteriorated. It feels like it based on the evidence. All right. And the coaching. Because you got a in, question mark next to that. In terms of the, their performance and, and doing their job and their competency. He, he's asking a, a broad-based question uh, based on saying that this team became so unlikable. Is it culture, coaching, professional sports as we know it, and will it just get worse? Yeah, it's probably all the above. I mean, it's it's hard to say for sure, but I think there's a lot of factors that go into you know, your culture and and how your team is built. And again, if you coach well and you have talented players, then you win and the culture is going to always seem good whenever you're winning. So there's an element of just the results-based uh, nature of the business of the sports world that kind of dictates how a team looks and feels. All right. Brian Tolini writes in, good morning, Dave and AK. Disclaimer, if someone would have asked a question like this three weeks ago, I would have rolled my eyes. Today, it feels relevant. Let's just say the season ends on the same trajectory that it, it is currently on. The team is a mess. We are playing ugly, undisciplined, uninspired football, finishing with a record of, say, seven or seven and ten or eight and nine. Is there any move you don't consider uh, is there any rock you don't turn over another disclaimer i'm not saying that we should trade tj watt he says in 2018 the bears traded multiple first round picks to the raiders for khalil mack if the return was similar should the Steelers be inclined to listen he says we are a team as alex recently pointed out with no identity that's the biggest thing uh, mm-hmm. to, to to me is is not so much the culture aspect as it is the identity of this team. Well, they can be part and parcel. They can be one and the same. Your identity hopefully creates your culture. Culture hopefully okay. creates your identity. But but I think from an, a culture is more of the the less of the on field thing. It's more of the off field thing. Identity can also be the on field thing of this is how we win. This is our mode of operation. And Pittsburgh is very much there's no clear path right now. A uh, team with more questions than answers, a team that hasn't experienced real success in more than a decade, half measures are not going to move the needle uh, enough. This team needs to start flipping stones no matter how heavy they might be. Is there any player in this organization that should be considered untouchable? Is there any coach whose job should be considered safe? I mean, it really broadens out there the way he asked this question. Look, I mean, we're, the, the conversation is about Mike Tomlin and – uh, co- the rest of the coaches uh, and their job security and whether or not they go are, are going to be asked, you know, unless this team wins, wins a playoff game, period. Sure. I think everything gets examined. Does everything get changed? No, not necessarily. You know, was he floating a TJ Watt type of trade there with the Khalil Mack comparison? I, I guess that's what he's getting at here. Uh, the, the, the meat of this question that I, I think really uh, he wants answered is, is there anybody that that, that should be considered safe? Man, it would take a lot for me to trade a TJ Watt. It would, it, it, it would, my, 
and maybe that's the fan aspect of me coming out there. I like TJ Watt being part of this team. Uh, I like, I like Minka Fitzpatrick being part of this team. Uh, I like, even though it's winding down, I like Cam Hayward being part of this team. Uh, now beyond that, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it's on the table. Yeah, I mean, like I said, what you would what you have to do when the season ends is go down through the roster name by name and just examine them. And some of them are going to be very quick conversations. T.J. Watt, awesome player, great teammate, staying, no question about it. You know, same with Minka, same with Cam, etc. Uh, but you're going to have some harder conversations about some other names on this roster. So it all gets examined. It does not mean all it all has to be changed, though. Does every player have a price? Or are there some that you just don't, that are untouchable? I mean, I guess everything has a price, but sometimes that price is so incredibly high that no team is ever going to reach it. Right. And TJ Watt is one of those players. Look, that, long story short, Brian, this team's got a lot of uh, evaluation to do, uh, starting with uh, Art Rooney uh, up top and 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 filtering down from 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 there. Uh, especially if this team doesn't find a way to get into the playoffs somehow and 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 win a playoff game, because let's face it, even if they get into the playoffs right now, if they don't win a playoff game, it's still what we way we termed this thing at the start of the season, right? It's going to be a disappointment if this team does not win at least a playoff game. Yeah, that streak has to end. That streak will continue. No playoff wins since 2016. And each year that passes by, as that extends, it becomes harder and harder to ignore that fact. Look, I went, I personally came into this season thinking that maybe this team could get to the playoffs and win a playoff game. And then that Super Bowl, then us talk maybe going into next season thinking, all right, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the windows open, uh, man, these last several weeks make, make me wonder (laughs) how far that window is away. Now it's away. And the problem is what is your path to win in the playoffs next year? What is the path to figure this out and make this work? I I don't know what it looks like. You know, last year you sat there and said, well, you're young offense. You finished the year on a great note. We'll just kind of get the offense to regroup and develop and take that next step. Defense comes back. They do their thing. Healthy TJ Watt. Okay. That's your path. You can buy that. that. That's fine. This year. What does it look like? I don't know. And look, we you, you see teams around the league make drastic changes in one year and get themselves in the playoffs, right? I mean, it, it it's not like, but when you look overall to it, the, the, the players under contract that this team has right now, uh, you know, there, there's a core of these guys that aren't going anywhere, right? Right. But that, that you're going point. to have to roll it back with. But but on the flip side, you got to have uh, the Chiquamo core for uh, gone. Uh, you know, we, I, I don't think anything's going to happen with, uh, uh, A or B, uh, Deontay or, or George Pickens, but I, I don't think you could potentially rule it out right now. Mason Cole, probably going to be gone. Mitch Trubisky's one of the higher, uh, 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 cap charges on this team for 2024. Uh, they've got a long list of unrestricted free agents and most of those guys aren't, aren't going to be back, nor do you, do you really want them back? Uh, you start you start looking at at the product from this year from where this team sits now and looking ahead to what the holes on this roster look like now next season and then start factoring in x amount of draft picks and how something unless something changes the 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 normal path of free agency 
doesn't feel like it's going to get it done. Right. I mean, you can tweak the edges and replace some of the free agents that, you know, aren't costing you a lot and aren't playing major roles. But what are the, some of the bigger changes that may have to be made? And then also, you know, culturally, if you believe there's a culture issue, how do you get your culture back in, a, right. in one offseason? That's a that's a difficult and messy question. I, I'm not so uh, back to the culture thing. I'm, I'm, I'm not suggesting that doesn't exist, but I think it's hard to rubber stamp. Steelers culture from the 70s into today's game. It doesn't have to be from the 70s. It just has to be from three years ago. I mean, just in terms of playing as a team and doing the little things and being detail-oriented and staying together, I mean, those things are very real and, and the good teams and the successful teams are able to to pull that, that off. All right. And if you believe that Mike Tomlin cannot recapture that culture is that a conversation? Is that where it starts during the offseason? Can we can we recapture this cult- culture? It, it's certainly one one half of it. One half is getting you know the talented players that are going to help you win from an on field perspective, but also there's a cohesion culture aspect that has to be be looked at. Just looking at, at this uh, at a glance, real quick. If a team came calling to you during the offseason and wanted to give you a third round draft pick for Najee Harris, would you take it? Uh, off the top, I don't really know for sure if I would or not. I think he probably would. I don't know where I sit right now. Uh, I'm just trying to think of, you know, based on people saying who's untouchable and all like that. I mean, he's not an untouchable guy, no. basically, right? No, I wouldn't call him untouchable, but I don't know what the price would be. It depends on what free agency might be, what the draft class might look like. I mean, there's a lot of factors that have to be considered. Man, when you start rolling through this, the guys under contract next year, uh, and the guys that you know that probably aren't going, that are under contract that won't be soon, this team's going to have a lot of holes, man. But in some ways, that's probably a good thing. You probably need to, you know, reset this thing again. All right, let me see if I can fit one more question in here, real quick. My mind's racing right now. Let's uh, hit this one from Bryce real quick. I'm only going to get part of it here because he his his are very long. Uh, this is more of a thought, but Alex, that that video of Pat blocking the uh, Pat Farmer blocking the end makes me want to vomit. Watching the Steelers continually ask this tight end group to base block three and four techs is infuriating. Washington has. Had good moments, but he's still a rookie who needs to get stronger. Uh, I don't think it's so much the strength with Washington as it is with uh, technique because we've mm-hmm. seen him put some good moments on tape. Uh, he says, and Farmuth just can't do it. Uh, in my opinion, the lack of adjusting the usage of the tight ends is one of the biggest gaffes of the season for the coaching staff. I mean, Alex has already kind of kind of said that. Why are you putting some of these guys in in, in some of the positions that you're putting them in? And and all due respect to, to Connor Hayward, who's a, a 110% effort guy, there's just some instances, there's just some situations you cannot put him in. And it's not yeah. his fault. And, and I think generally that they've done a good job avoiding the situations he can't be in, uh, some miscues and mistakes. Um, and it was just one play with Firemuth, but you just kind of look at the bigger picture and say, do you understand your personnel when you see stuff like that? And Pat Firemuth is never going to be that guy at the end of the line of scrimmage. He's just not. No, he's not. Uh, so you've got to hope that 
Washington does become that, but how do you, the only way you're going to get Washington on the field is either you're going to take Pat Firemuth off in a, in, in 11 personnel type situations, or you're going to roll two tight ends out there. That's the only way you, you can do it. Yeah. I mean, right now this team only has two wide receivers though. So you can, you could theoretically play a lot of 12 personnel. Right. Right. And maybe that's what they need to do a lot more of against Cincinnati. Yeah. I think Firemuth should be like a stand up you know, slot option, not a slot, necessarily a true slot receiver, but, you know, you're not an inline guy. Get him, you know, backside nub, standing up in the slot. Washington, you're in line Y. That's how you best utilize those skill sets. What are your expectations? There are, there are no expectations for Saturday right now, right? No, I don't have any right now. Nope. All right. We'll break it down further when we get into the, uh, that game, uh, uh, when we get to the Friday podcast. All right. Any Any closing thoughts here? Did we depress the hell out of everybody today? <laughs> I think we did a pretty good job for ah, ourselves. Humbug. And... Merry Christmas, Tiny Tim. All right, we'll be back Friday. T- Tiny uh, Alex. Tiny <laughs> Tiny Alex with some Christmas <laughs> holiday cheer. All right, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, slash X, at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you like what we do and want to donate, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad-free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the ad-free button. Uh, once again, we'll be back on Friday getting everybody ready for the Saturday game at Acrisure Stadium between the Pittsburgh Steeders and the Cincinnati Bengals. So until then, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.